Yesterday, McCartney. All my troubles seem so far away. Band on the run. The man. Band on the run. You ain't got The mystery. The music. The movie. Paul McCartney. Give my regards to Broad Street. Welcome to this special episode of Trimming the Musical Fat. Special as it's our first movie commentary. We had that much fun doing our Paul McCartney What If 1981 to 1984 episode that we decided to watch the movie uh, whose soundtrack we discussed during that. Give my regards to Broad Street, Paul McCartney's flop movie from 1984. If you want to watch along with us, you'll find the movie on YouTube uh, for free. And what we'll do, so we can all watch it together, we'll count down to the start of it and all hit play at the same time. Alternatively, you can just listen along as we describe the on-screen action and give our thoughts on the movie and its music. I'm joined for this exciting adventure by my fellow co-host, Brother Paul, and by my regular guest and Maca fan, Paul Murphy. How are you guys? Full of anticipation at this. Oh, you're ready to jet yeah. into the... Mmm. Mmm. And you know, yeah. before we started, I think I'd mentioned it the other time in the podcast, this is possibly the first true multimedia event because you had the soundtrack album right. you had the, the film and you had the computer game as well mm-hmm. which featured featured paul mccartney driving around london going to random subway stations trying to collect uh linda mccartney and barbara back <laughs> it was right. almost a bit like grand theft auto but without the <laughs> prostitute yeah <laughs> it just sounds like going. yeah it sounds like the greatest <laughs> game ever doesn't it I actually remember uh, seeing the seeing the trailer for this when we went to see Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember that as well. Yeah, yeah, that was my first exposure to movies that had trailers in cinemas, then never got released. And you thought, what? <laughs> I remember that. So, oh, but but there was a trailer. Why is it? Why is it never come out? And it's like, yeah, straight to video in this country, at least. Did it not come out in the cinema year? No, never got a cinema release here. Really? I thought it did. Was not like a week or something? Yeah, I no, thought it did. I'm, sh- I'm, sure I'm it did. positive it never it never got a cinema release here. But I could be wrong. We can check it out. Because I um, thought it had uh, 
Did it not have, um, what do you call it before it? Uh, Premier? Rupert and the Frog Chorus, the full version of it. Because that was re released right, in 1994. Yeah. So, so I think it was in the cinema. It might be, well, I'll tell you what, it never got on any screens in Edinburgh because I checked. Well, see, this is <laughs> back then when you only had, like, where I, you know, I grew up in Dundee, there was one cinema that had two screens in it and one film would last on it a week. And there was loads of films that never turned up. Used to see after. I remember Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey never turning up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, nineteen ninety. Yeah, it did come out in the cinema in the UK. All right. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I was just checking there. So but it was never... probably quite. It was probably like a week or two. Uh, so it just never made it to Edinburgh. Before we start, let's listen to Cisco and Ebert's two thumbs down review of the movie from the time of its release, followed by McCartney being interviewed on the press junket for the movie. Well, it's been 20 years since we first heard about the Beatles, and for at least the last 10 of those years, people have been asking for a Beatles reunion, and I guess that Give My Regards to Broad Street is the closest we're going to get. It's got Paul McCartney in it, and it has Ringo Starr in it. Unfortunately, this movie is such a pale shadow of the greatness of the Beatles that if you're a real Beatles fan, you'll hardly even want to go see it. It's really a dumb movie. If the whole movie were like this, at least it would be fun to sit through, even though the photography is not that sensational. At least the songs are great. But no, we get a really dumb plot about Paul McCartney trying to find some important stolen tapes. Yes, Steve. The whole bloody game's up. The tapes have vanished. Don't tell anyone. I'll be right with you. Unless the tapes are found by midnight tonight, so the consequences will be very serious. You don't think Harry is going to do a stupid thing like that, do you? Yes, I do. This movie is billed as the day in the life of a rock star, and if it were a day in the life of Paul McCartney, who was 42 years old, a multi-millionaire, a genius, and a really interesting guy, it might have been a good movie. Unfortunately, in the film, McCartney plays not so much a beetle as a monkey. He's just some simple little kind of guy who goes around in the backseat of a Rolls Royce making a fool out of himself. This movie is a real disgrace. I give it one star. I'm Roger Ebert. Beatlemania start all over again because of Broad Street? Well, I don't, I don't know really, you know, it's, it's strange because um, the record companies, what they're doing is they're re-releasing a lot of the Beatles stuff and um, showing all the old videos. So, I mean, of its own volition, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of happening in a small way anyway, you know, because uh, the young kids haven't seen it. That's the amazing thing. As to whether, I don't know, I'll kick it off again, I don't know, you know, but... Um, it's nice to know that uh, there's kind of still a lot of young kids out there who, who haven't heard songs like um, Eleanor Rigby and For No One and stuff. I mean, my own kids say to me, I love that song, For No One, Dad. You know, is that a new one? No. <laughs> Before you're a twinkle in my eye. Will it bring back Beatlemania? I think not. So, gents, uh, we have our video teed up. We're on one hour and 48 minutes and 57 seconds remaining. I think we are in unison. 
are we ready to delve into the movie? Oh God! One hour oh. Five minutes. oh, I'm uh, I'm actually quite scared. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So, three, two, one, play. So oh, got, oh, see, I always to this day when the 20th century folklore comes up expect Star Wars to start. Well, kids, this is not going to be Star Wars episode <laughs> seven. Uh, it certainly is not. So, given regards to Broad Street now, uh, this managed to only recoup $1.4 million of its $9 million budget. <laughs> so, it lost However, over. Eight million. <laughs> However, I think the soundtrack album kind of recouped much of that because that was a, a success, although not as big a seller as some of McCartney's previous releases. What and a way the... to start a film, eh? A traffic jam with rain in England. And uh, uh, I often now... wondered who this guy was on the soundtrack. Sounds like uh, he's off the TV. Oh, no. He sounds oh, like no. a bossy off of uh, Only Fools and Horses. He does. It's funny knowing the album, the soundtrack, and then uh, the bits the bits that you know in the soundtrack in the film, it's funny. Did you know Maka financed this movie himself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know until I was researching it. There's Tracy Ullman there in the titles back when she was... Still an up-and-coming star? That's right. I mean, it's an exciting start to film, isn't it? Traffic jam rain <laughs> and somebody uh, vacuuming an office. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we're getting our first first glimpse of Maka. There's his shoe. That's there's an old brown tree. shoe. An old brown <laughs> shoe, yeah. Oh, there's Paul pouting his lips. <laughs> Sketchpad. Yeah, apparently at the premiere... Uh, in London, uh, someone in the cinema, much to the amusement of everybody, cried out, "Thank God!" At the end of the movie, when Brian Brown says, "We got the tapes." Oh, really? <laughs> but it was actually Paul McCartney who done it. Oh, really? He was one that shouted out, "Thank God!" Uh, now, Peter Webb was a director. Uh, he was. Prior to this, mostly famous for directing episodes of the children's TV show, The Sooty Show. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking a high caliber uh, director here. Um, who never cool directed car. directed a movie again. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a oh, cool car, I have to say. This kind of reminds me of... Um... Is it Led Zeppelin? The song remains the same where it's... Uh... Oh, the film, he's got a car like that, hasn't he? Yeah, John Bonham, where it's like a day in yeah. life of John Bonham, where he's like basically going to the pub in a hot rod. <laughs> That's yeah, right, it's, man. Yeah. it's a 1950s Ford Popular, customised. Oh, it's like Knight Rider now, we've got the computer. Oh, no, it's like an Amstrad early 80s computer uh, in the Hawking car. Stephen Hawking there, uh, cameo Stephen Hawking. <laughs> That's what it's like. Yeah. And you think that would be cutting edge at the time, your computer telling you what's in your calendar. Mm. He was so ahead of his time. Yeah. And our first bit of tunage. Oh, thanks, Stephen. 
Good day, sunshine. Redone Beatles classic. Yeah. Not as good as the original. No. But it's a good introduction if you didn't know the Beatles songs. It's a good introduction. To yeah. Them. Oh, and then there's Paul answering the bat phone. Uh, just going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, have you written the script for the movie yet? Yes, it's great. thing is, he's a really good actor, Brian. Uh, well, Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Brown, is that his name? Brian Brown, yeah. Brian Brown, I. <laughs> Most famous for FX and Cocktail. That's right, he was the, the barman in Cocktail. And he? the Thornbirds was he in as well, was it that? Was he in the Thornbirds? Oh, I used to watch oh, the Thornbirds. I think you're right. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that he was in, yeah. Or Taipan, he was in that as well. He was, yeah. Oh, and this here we have Dr. Leg from EastEnders. Yes, for those in the UK who don't yeah. know who that is. <laughs> oh, now we're about to get some cutting edge special effects. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> there goes I the mean, car. It sort of reminds you a lot of these British early 80s films that are, you know, not much happens. Like Clockwork's another one. Yeah, you wonder how on earth they ended up in the cinema. <laughs> and Condor Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ten pence effects and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so the plot of this movie, for those that don't know, is... Hold that... on, this is the SAGE mm-hmm. conference for the coronavirus. No, that's it. <laughs> so the plot of this movie is the master tapes from McCartney's new album are believed stolen by a guy that works for Paul McCartney who is an ex-con. And that's basically it. Now the receptionist, now is the receptionist here or elsewhere? Uh, she was, I don't know if it's the receptionist that just popped up there. Uh, Amanda Redman, who was in New Tricks, which is a British TV show. Hmm. Don't know if that was her there. There's uh, Frank Butcher. <laughs> There's Paul McCartney's Hawaiian shirt. There's the HMV logo behind them. That's right. What 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 do you guys think of McCartney's performance in this? I like um, the musical bits. I like I like a lot of the musical bits. I think they're good, but in terms of as, as an actor, he's not very good. I think it's, uh, it's it's missing. I mean, I could sort of yeah, it's missing the other Beatles, isn't it? Like if you watch Help or a Hard Day's Night, and it has the other characters to make up for it. Um, yeah, just I don't know. I mean, I, I think this whole film just kind of feels like oh, this is what it's supposed to be like in the day in the life of a middle aged rock star. Kind of like meeting like 40, 42. <laughs> yeah, 42 <laughs> at this point, yeah. Basically meetings and all that sort of stuff and boring suits and... He's quite you know, cool. I just want to wear my wine shirt. <laughs> I, I think he's like. decent enough. I think he's decent enough in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's the, the material. There isn't enough of it to really... There's not, and I really don't get... Obviously, yes, the this is what I don't get. And, and I think McCartney, let's give a bit of background, 
as to the gestation of the project. It was initially conceived um, as containing several live performances for a television special. And Molly Russell wrote an initial script, which was rejected. Tom Stoppard was then drafted in to assist with a plot based on the previous McCartney album, Tug of War, before McCartney scrapped all those ideas and just wrote the screenplay itself. And if I remember correctly, uh, McCartney wrote it, and I think the film company didn't then... They thought that was the final version, didn't Mm. then want to say to McCartney about any changes... So that's what went into production, even though it still needed a lot of work. Yeah, so. I remember re- uh, seeing an interview with him where he said uh, he didn't know you were supposed to do revisions on a script. Nobody <laughs> told him. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really been quite sure about the plot in that. Yeah, I know that the master tapes for the album go missing, but how does that then warrant some guy who's bad and we know he's bad because he just wears shades um, how is he then taking over McCartney's company can McCartney just record another album instead but these are special master tapes all right they're, they're sacred mm. yeah I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really make much sense at all I suppose when you're a bit older and you look at it and you go well so what if the master tapes got out? Yeah. No, it's like a bit of, I mean, it happens all the time when stuff gets leaked. It's not like the mm-hmm. end of somebody's career. I mean, yeah. It's I suppose it's just what they would call a MacGuffin to get a story going along. Or not. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the Guns N' Roses album, Chinese Democracy. That was online about two years before it was released. Mm. <laughs> like versions of it. Who's the guy in the far right again? He's been in a few things. Yeah, I recognise him. A James Bond movie or something? No, I think he might have been in Never Say Never Again, mm. which came out just Yes, yes. There right. he is. Ringo. Narrator of Thomas the Tank Engine. At that time, yeah, he was massive. Was Thomas. Yep, A good drum kit, four. I have to say. I like that drum kit. Yeah, it's a nice drum kit. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly grown in size since the Beatles. That's oh, for man. sure. It's about quadrupled in size. <laughs> so where is it they're meant to be now? Remind me, is this the BBC? Is it not just Abbey Road? It's supposed to be Abbey Road? Or... I think it is supposed to be Abbey Road, yeah. yeah. Oh, is it really? I think this bit here might be Abbey Road. Yeah. That bit there, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think John Lennon would have thought of this film? Not much. Crap. And George Harrison. <laughs> well, George Harrison, yeah, yeah. Oh, there we've got Chocolate Georges. There's George Martin. Yeah. Very yeah. famous Beatles producer. Well, I guess it was a bit of a reunion, really, of well, George Harrison. George Harrison was, I suppose, in kind of semi-retirement at this point, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right, yeah. That was three years before Cloud Nine. I actually like the musical bits in the film, I have to say. I like most of them. Uh, I think this all got on to it, but the silly love song sequence. Yeah. And, uh... 
It's All got right, that so here we go. Because of British yeah. film. So now McCartney's being tailed by the bad guys. They don't appear Fair to be more. that bad. Mm-hmm. And he's now going to be recording a song. And I think the joke here, which I think falls really flat, is it's a, a song where Ringo doesn't need to play. And then when he does need to play, it necessitates using uh, brushes rather than drumsticks. And mm. he searches through a box for the duration of the songs to find the brushes just as the song finishes. And that's meant to be funny. The Jews laugh? I mean, no. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just again, it's of that era where could you imagine sitting in a like in a, I suppose in a nineteen eighty cinema, so not like any of the multiplexes now sort of thing, uh, like old cinema, giant screen, sitting watching this. I mean, <laughs> I just depends if you're a big Beatles fan or Paul McCartney fan. I think you'd yeah. be like. I mean, I, I think certainly it felt like back then there was always like a new film coming out every week. Maybe it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Then it was it only show it for a week. And I guess it was just like, all right, here's the film for the week and you get this and you get the frog chorus as well. Mm-hmm. That's right, before Quite a lot of maca for your money. Yeah. Well, I suppose the other thing you've got to consider as well is this was MTV and so on. But prior to that, you didn't really have an avenue to to watch music on TV or the screen, unless it, in the UK you the likes of Top of the Pops or something. So I suppose to be able to go and see uh, a favourite musical artist of yours on the big screen for a mm, relatively yeah. cheap price. Uh, it was. Yeah. 50p a ticket, I remember it was. Oh, change days now. <laughs> 50p now, okay, yeah. maybe one piece of popcorn. No, 50p won't even pay your booking fee at the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's more than that. But I suppose for people that don't know, uh, McCartney re-recorded a lot of um, Beatles songs and some of his prior uh, Wings and solo songs for this this movie. So we're getting Yesterday just now, which I think at that point, and it might still be the most, uh, was it the most played or the most covered song in musical history? Yeah, 3 million versions i think hmm. what do you guys think of this version i think this is a pretty i think the medley is quite good because it's something a little bit different mm-hmm. i think if you, you know when he's doing it a bit differently uh at least add something to it yeah yeah i like it when it goes into wanderlust i think for me there is a nostalgic uh sentimental attachment to it because it was the first time I'd heard these songs. I didn't really know them as Beatles songs at the time. So for me, yeah, they're not as good as the Beatles versions, but yeah. I mean, they've got pretty uh, good microphones. It's not picking up any of this noise of Ringo, like, <laughs> sniffing around for crap, you know? What I mean? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, it's sort of like it's, I think it tries at times to be a bit like, you know, like, imagine like the bit in Help where they're, what songs that they do when it's like, oh, one of you's been buzzing, and then there's the saws gone round Ringo, and he falls down, down oh, to yeah. the basement, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, in the pub. 
No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I guess it just isn't quite that that amount of humour in it. Yeah. Here we go. I love this song, Wanderlust, yeah. and this version it's the best for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the original was on the Tug of War album, um, and yeah, I think this this version is superior. Yeah. But here's a here's the thing: Has he ever played it live? No. I don't no. think so. So for no, a song he's... that he's done twice, you know, like he just this was on two albums before this, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and yet is... he's never played it live, and it's very very popular as well. Yeah, and it'd be fairly easy to do live, I guess. You could have Wix Wickens like doing the keyboards in the background. Substitute a wee keyboard for a big orchestra. It's like the drums in this actually, Ringo's drums. Yeah, they're better than the uh, tug of war version. I prefer the drums as well on this. Mm hmm. Yeah, the brass on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this might be where part of it is, um, you know, the original idea of it being, you can see it where it could be like a TV program where it's like linking between like live, like versions of songs and stuff. So I would, I yeah. would, have, I would have preferred this, Paul. I would have been quite happy for McCartney to have just done the songs. I would have paid to go to the cinema to see that. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess, yeah, I mean, you could have, I mean, if you cut out all the, I wonder how, if you did like, you know, you should do, you should do a trimming, trimming the vocal <laughs> fat on this. Where's this and cut all the dialogue? Yeah. And see how long the actual film is. And then if I you think, added yeah. the frog chorus onto it, would it be 90 minutes? <laughs> Maybe. So where did you guys first see see the the movie? Well, Wanderlust still plays. So, brother Paul, where did you first see it? I think we saw it in video, didn't we? VHS. Yeah. Rented it from a video shop. Yeah, I think uh, they paid. I think they paid us to take it away. <laughs> take it away. That's a Paul McCartney song, isn't it? Oh, hey. But, but uh, no, I, I I always wanted to see it because, and I, I, I'm sure even when you used to rent videos. The trailer was on that as well, like on video when you were watching it. Yeah. I I don't think I saw it until the nineties. It was never I don't remember it ever being on TV. It was, no. but it wasn't on much it was on, but it wasn't on much. No, yeah. and it would be on at like two in the morning or something. That's right. Saturday Friday mm -hmm. night, Saturday morning type thing. Is that I think a win? Having to import it on VHS actually. Oh really? Yeah. Because it just gone out of print. Um, I mean, the other thing as well is like okay, talking of this era for like the younger people who are listening to this, which I'm sure there are many. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is is that um, like this time, of course, like video, home video was becoming popular, mm. uh, and it just felt like. Uh, like, there had to be content, I guess, like Netflix now. There had to be something out new every week. Uh, because you'd go out, you had your uh, video library card, and, like, for me, it was every week you'd go out and, like, we'd get three films. And, uh, mm. like, one would be, like, an adult... Not an adult film, you know what I mean? Maybe more <laughs> a grown film. 
uh, you know, like SS, SS sex camp or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, <laughs> or Porky's. Uh, and then, uh, like, you'd get, like, a family film and stuff like that. So every week you got thief, you got thief from Paul Sturrock's video library. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just had to make do with something. Well, we never got this, but, uh, you know, they just needed new films every week. And, you know, you couldn't always get an electric blue every week. So this sort of feels like this. It's just like, right, we need some film out this week. There you go. There's Paul McCartney for a couple of hours. Oh, and Paul McCartney's back and he's, uh, is it a Bentley, is it? Oh, yeah. Is it a Bentley he's in? So he's now traveling. Oh, no, he's, this is a, he, he's now thinking back in time. He's in a pub. Now, is that a vegetarian leather jacket he's got on? I hope so. <laughs> Do you not think there's part, and, and I think he is like, because I know he still travels by like train, you know, he'll go into L- London on a train and stuff. And But it's almost like he really wants to show off that I'm just an ordinary guy type vibe. You know, I'll sit and guys will be wearing suits and I meet and I'll just go in with my Hawaiian shirt. And I'm just, you know, I'm sitting here in a pub, you know. Well, I mean, after he lost all his money on this, he was just a, a man. <laughs> <laughs> was it Warner Bros that distributed? No, it's 20th Century Fox, isn't it? Yes. Mm. So here's Maka. Uh, now, is this when he's drinking the guy? That, what's the guy's name that he thinks has stolen the tapes? Oh. Is it Harry? Harry. Harry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't uh, think yeah. Harry's going to do a stupid thing like that, do you? The ex-con. Yes, I do. And that, that's it. And his Maka's like, no, I think he's a decent bloke. He'll not he's do not any such harm. A bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, flashback over. I mean, all he's doing is he's going from. I mean, maybe this is what it, again I'm like saying. This is what it's supposed to be—the life of. A beetle is uh, yeah. just going from like one thing to another, bored out of his tits, like the audience. <laughs> it just looks really dull and dreary, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, again, it's like quite a good bookend to. A hard day's night, which is like full of energy, you know, like young mm. persons, you know, like running around, and uh, and here it's just all a bit kind of like it's maybe shows you how the music industry changed. It's all suits, grey suits, corporate people yeah. trying to make money, you know. Maybe that's what you try to get over. Maybe that's underneath it all. That's what he's yeah. trying to get over. Maybe it's a satire, and we just still haven't noticed. Maybe it's all just a dream. <laughs> maybe it is. Are we spoiling the ending? <laughs> no, that was Dallas. <laughs> Bobby comes in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose as well, I suppose when you think about it, this film was two years in the making, wasn't it? Because uh, it, it was a, came out at the end of 84 and uh, they started filming it in November 82. So, I mean, that was even before Pipes of Peace came out. It was made over 28 non-consecutive weeks. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was just like the Beatles, you get back wet and beers. 
it was meant to just be a, a performance piece, but yeah, mutated into what we got. So in fact, I think it right, was maybe lasted quite long, man. Yeah. Washed. Good job you liked it. Yeah. Every single photo you look at Paul McCartney circa 1982 to 1984, he's wearing that Hawaiian shirt. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he wasn't that every single day he was filming something to do with this. So this was actually finished in July in 83, is that right? And then it was held for a year. Is that right? I don't recall. So, oh yes. Yeah, I suppose if it was, then he would have had that strange thing of having Pipes of Peace as an album ready to go, and then he would have had this soundtrack album ready to go. And, and, I, think, would, and yeah. I think that was it, yeah, I think that was it. It was held, held off because of that. Now, I do like this sequence, actually, the ballroom dancing. Ringo always looks like he's under the influence and all the... Fo- <laughs> well, probably, yeah. He was at the time, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, no, this yeah. part hasn't aged well. No, it wouldn't be appropriate now, would it? No, where Ringo's basically using his position and status to crack on to a journalist. Come back to my flat and I'll show you some demos or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's just trying to he see he's seen her already in uh, the spy who loved me. So <laughs> he's just like attempting Agent, Agent Triple X. But yeah, this 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 part is a little bit uncomfortable in these in these more woke times. <laughs> but do, do you it know looks this is like uh, mm-hmm. have you ever seen this at That'll Be the Day? Yeah. Film? Kind of looked like well, but Bar- Barbara beer. Back obviously uh, married Ringo, and do you know I think this was Barbara Back's last uh, film performance. Really? Yeah, really? which I find, but yeah, which I find really bizarre. To date, I suppose. Oh yeah, she's still alive to date. Yeah, just strange, isn't it, uh, for somebody who yeah. had such a high profile? I remember, it's funny watching the bit here, ballroom dancing, and I don't know if you remember, Stephen, down at our local library, there was a book, Give My Regards to Broad Street, book about mm. the film. I remember always mm-hmm. uh, hiring and hiring it out. But no, I, like, I actually like the sequence. It's a good mm-hmm. song. Good energy at the sequence, yeah. Good, good. good guitar in the middle. Mm-hmm. So he would have been recording like three albums of material really at the same time then. Oh, it's an incredibly busy period in his life. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yep, well, three, well, like, two, uh, two and a half albums really in a film. Mm. It looks like he should, uh, like if he puts his jacket on, he's going to be a bit like David Bowie at this time. Yeah, yeah he does actually. On David Bowie and Live Aid. Yeah. <laughs> Do that on your shoes and dance with me. My TVC one that. Uh uh. Right, so who are his his, uh, musicians in his band for this movie? We've got Linda. Is it Chris Spedding, the guitar? Mm hmm. And uh, what's his name on guitar as well? Oh, um, from Rockpile. 
Dave. Oh, Edmonds? That's right, it's Dave Edmonds. Yeah. 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 And Ringo on drums, obviously. And also John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin and on bass. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Is that John Paul Jones there? I don't know if that's in there, but he is in it at some point. Hmm. Eric Stewart, of course, as well from Tennessee. Eric Stewart, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember John Paul Jones doing the strings on R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts? Yeah, I didn't realise that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I think Night's Swimming as well. I could be wrong. Mm. Yeah. That actor there, the sort of punk-looking guy, he, he was in a few things in the 80s, wasn't he? Looks a bit like Billy Idol. Idol. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say that is Billy Idol. Looks like him. <laughs> Billy Idol was big at this point, wasn't he? Yeah. Six foot four. <laughs> See, that's not John Paul Jones there, is it? No. No. Don't think so. I don't know. I mean, it might be. I don't think it is, but I mean, he kind of did. When he had his hair shorter, he looked about 20 years younger. I know. Sorry, yeah. Of course, this would be the year before the Led Zeppelin Live Aid tobacco, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, I see. Actually, of which I see. Uh, that Phil Collins was being thrown us again this week. Yeah, by, was it Jimmy Page or Robert Plant? Just Jimmy even, Page. E- even though it, is it wasn't. Paul. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, even though it wasn't Phil Collins's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I read Phil Collins' autobiography, and he said it was like he wanted to rehearse, and they were like, "We don't need to rehearse." So he had to like sort of. He knew some of the songs, but but he rehearsed them on the airplane <laughs> on the Concord. Initially, it was only meant to be Robert Plant solo. He was doing it for. Then it became a Led Zeppelin reunion. Yeah, mm. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because I think he produced Jimmy... Robert Plant's album. That's right. He? That's right. And Jimmy Page was out of his face on the day of the gig. And uh, who was the drummer for them? It was the guy out of. Um... In power station as well. Uh, the Taylor? <laughs> no, no. Uh, oh, um, but I remember like Phil Collins talking about how he was. So he got the impression that he was felt. Yeah, he wasn't wanted there because this was uh, this was going to be his gig. Mm. Yeah, this sequence is all right, actually, but it's surprising that they didn't really promote that. It's a, you know, like a pretty good band that they've got. Yeah, very much so. The musicians, you know, it's... Oh, some big names in their own right. Oh, there's Bill, the Billy Idol lookalike again. What's, any favourite Billy Idol songs? Um, oh, probably his cover of uh, Moni Moni. That was good. The live version, yeah. And he used to always be referred to as Sir William of Idol, wasn't he? That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we get to the end of the song. 
Everyone's collapsed. Linda looks like David Bowie. Hmm. Here. There they go off to the canteen, don't they? I think Tracy Ullman's in this bit, yeah. Yeah, who is playing the partner of Harry, who's run off with the tapes. <laughs> or has he? <laughs> I know, but... I mean, I guess yeah. some of this week could help. You know, you mm-hmm. can imagine yeah. the Beatles sitting there and going, like, you know, making dry comments. I think that's what's missing, is it needs John Lennon in here. Making sort of like dry comments about stuff. Do you know who that? Do you know who that person was there a minute ago that was wearing the sort of monster outfit? He was actually the guy that was in the Bond films. You know the bits where the sort of funny bits where something happens, like he and he thinks he's drink he's drinking. And oh, is it him? Is it? That's that, that's that guy. I'm sure it's him. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so we're in the L Street Studios mm-hmm. canteen now, where a lot of famous films were filmed. Of course, yeah. Not the canteen, but. <laughs> and now we've got we've got Tracy Owens. Sandra. She was quite famous at this point, wasn't she? She was. Yeah. And Britain, certainly, yeah. Very much. I, so. no, I think in America as well. Yeah. Or she was about to be, yeah. Um, because it was a Thea the Kind that she was in. Yeah. Wendy Henry and uh that's right. David Copperfield, who of course went on to much bigger things with Lift Off, Hoppers <laughs> and Co. I think Tracy Ullman's now most famous for being the show that The Simpsons started on. Was it right? Yeah, there was a there was a, a, a sequence or segment in our show for The Simpsons, and that's where they uh, started. Mm. Obviously, went on to have their own show. What was the duet that she did? Not duet. What was the song that he that McCartney's in at the end? The video. It's a. Uh, it's a good song, actually. It's a cover. I didn't realize it was a cover, but yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's it. Oh, it's quite nice. Cover of uh, what do you call our thingy McCall? The Tracy McCall one. The uh, Tracy Ullman. Oh, sorry, cover. Yeah, it was a Tracy McCall. Yeah. What she doesn't know. No. That's uh, it, yeah. They don't know she, about us. They don't know about us. That's the one. Yeah. It's a really good song, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you, you what, the back, the kind of insides of L Street Studio, interior and exterior, are just look grotty as, don't they? Yeah, it's very much British TV. Oh, there's the guy there. The grit behind the glamour. Yeah, I mean, it does. It's funny looking back on it because it all looks quite old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in in a lot of ways, Britain was then. And and for me, I think what you found when we got to the 1990s, that's when um, things started to modernise here. Don't you agree? Yeah, well, I think so. The age we were. <laughs> no, but if you lived in the sixties, it would have modernized quite a lot. But oh, I know, but I still think even in the sixties and so on, you still had this post-war hangover in a lot of ways. And for me, it was only in the nineteen nineties that I think you start to see things really start to modernize. I, I just, 
I think of the 90s as like more colourful. When, when you watch this, like Britain in the 80s, where people would always go Thatcher's Britain, it looks really dreary and and uh, depressing. Oh, God, is this a silly love song sequence? Yeah, yeah I don't like this. Don't like this version of the song either. No. It's a bit of a strange segue into it. It is. Mm. It's obviously a bit of a tip of the hat to maybe the new romantic era of 80s mm, pop yeah, with the costumes true. and so on, but it just uh, doesn't work for me. Do you know, it's like, it's, it's almost like nowhere. Mm. It's almost like what the character in the Tron legacy, you know, uh, Martin Sheen, is it Martin Sheen? Mm-hmm. His character is a boy. Like, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, Aladdin Sheen. Yeah, it's it's a bit new romantic era pop music yes. meets uh, cats. Yeah, actually, that's what they should have had. They should have had, they should have been on roller skates. And could have been <laughs> like Starlight Express. Yeah. Or Cliff Richard and Wired for Sound. <laughs> I was raped by Mr. Rumple Teaser. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Has he still got the same band here? He has, hasn't he? So, so in theory, if we're right, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin is dressed in all white with a white wig and some black. Interesting. Because well, I don't think he was playing... Was he playing bass in an actual song? Or... I don't know. Maybe it's different bands for different bits. Like when they're in the warehouses, maybe it's like... Yeah, because that's band. not Ringo. Yeah, Ringo's not drumming, yeah. Maybe. I don't, that's not John Paul Jones there. No. no. You can see by style, it's not... Yeah. But Paul McCartney was friends... Guys. Yeah, Paul McCartney was friends with... Uh, really good friends with Led Zeppelin, like the guys... So I wonder if that's part of the reason that John Paul Jones is in it. Hmm. Uh, they were big, big Wings fans as well, apparently. Yeah. I mean, this is this this sequence is kind of you could really imagine it in a Paul McCartney TV special. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like the what's the James Paul McCartney one from nineteen seventy three, where yeah. it's got like that song and dance one. You got to sing, you got to do yeah, yeah, and it's, it's kind of a bit... You could just imagine this being on a TV. Mm-hmm. But especially now that we've got the, the dancer coming in who's like a cross between Michael Jackson and Prince. <laughs> it's very much of its time, isn't it? It's sure it's not. What's his mm-hmm. name? Phil, uh, Phil Linnett. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be something. <laughs> Uh, if, he, if, if it is, he's certainly had some whiskey from the jar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think the original version of songs a better production with the, the proper orchestra on it. Yeah. The strings. And the guitar is quite good on this. I mean, it's a good guitar solo. I 
I wonder how he came but about choosing the song. Really, I mean, like nobody's moving or anything. No. <laughs> like, is that like not what it's, me it's meant to be, though? Isn't it? It's like they're almost like robots, almost. Yeah. But how do you think? How do you think uh, Paul McCartney came to compile what songs he would use? It'd be interesting to know. Yeah, the thought process. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, what other songs from Wings does he, or so, like a, a, like before Tug of War, what other songs does he do? None. The only ones he does are uh, from that era, that, uh, other than Silly Love songs, that's it, really. I should know this bit reminds me of Moonwalker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Michael Jackson movie. Which oh, of course another terrible <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> remember seeing it in the cinema on Boxing Day. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Well, there was some good stuff in it. I like the smooth criminal sequence. Mm. But that was just a series of videos, wasn't it? It was very much yeah. so, yeah. Okay, so that sequence is over. Bye. Bye-bye, Paul. And now I think we're about to leave Elstree, aren't we? To move to our next location. Devil's Anus. Mm. I think the next is by the Thames, the next one. Uh, warehouse or building. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, we've got to have the Tracy Ullman scene first. I mean, what is he filming? Is it is this supposed to be quite meta where it's supposed to be is filming stuff for a TV special? I suppose it is, yeah, because he did that. Obviously, you had the wings over the world in 1979, all the back to the egg videos. So I wonder if it was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, like it, but it doesn't explain that really in it at all. No. No. And we're back outside in dreary London when it's raining and it's see it looks quite it looks quite uh, upbeat and positive and well <laughs> no, this is filmed over like what ten years. They couldn't pick a day that it was like sunny. <laughs> see the number plate in the car, music. Mm. Oh, and there's the book. The bad guy again. And we know he's bad because he's got a cigarette holder for cigarette in it and wearing <laughs> shades, yes. He must be bad. Yeah, that's the sign of a bad, bad mm -hmm. man. Tell us is old. There's hardly any cars on that road. <laughs> on the motorway, yeah. yeah. And obviously this bit's in the studio and somebody's uh, moving the van around. <laughs> 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 yeah, throwing buckets of water over yeah. the windscreen. They've not got their seatbelts on, but you didn't need to at this time. I think it was three years after that seatbelts were compulsory. Well, you know, had, had Jimmy Savile come into prominence by this point with his uh, infamous uh, clunk click? Campaign. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, now we've got another. Now, this is actually quite a nice sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Is this uh, like eight, this bit? Is it what? 
Is this one that takes ages? No. I oh, know. I'm thinking of uh, the Eleanor Rigby bit. We've got that to look forward to. Eleanor's yeah. Dream, which I like actually, but we'll go yeah, on to that like eventually. But this like it was filmed in Wales or something. I don't know, but um, this is it's a nice wee sequence of the police chasing Harry with the master tapes. That's right. Film actually could have done for a bit more of this kind of stuff. Yeah. I do the like drama. the logo. Yeah, the logo and stuff. Give my girl a I like the logo. It's quite cool. And the font they use. Mm -hmm. The warehouse. Yes, by... This is uh, another location for uh, full metal jacket. Is it the dog clan? Uh, no, the dog clan, yeah. So this was all obviously eventually knocked down. And... Uh, on its way to becoming luxury flats in Canary Wharf. Right, yeah. Oh, look at that monster truck. Oh, <laughs> of giant haystacks. British boxer, giant haystacks. Boxer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he could he have been a boxer, the, sure, yeah. He was the theory of his era. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll clarify. Wrestler. Okay, so we've still got dreary weather and we're now going to a dreary warehouse in a rundown part of London at the Docklands. The it looks like it was made in the 60s. Yep, <laughs> the cheeriness continues. Actually, you know what this reminds me a bit of? Do you remember those was Mona it Lisa? workshop films? Used yes. Used to be on a Friday mm -hmm. night. Mm -hmm. And it was like, uh, what, what was, you know, and it was like they were always kind of like this, a bit dreary and a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm Cheap looking. <laughs> I mean, where did this nine million pounds go? This budget. What was it spent on? Paul McCartney's car. The actor's salaries, probably. <laughs> I think Paul McCartney paid himself six million. <laughs> he did a Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah. Producer, he paid himself a massive salary. I do like these bits. Actually, we're now in the warehouse. The warehouse. These bits are good. What the songs? Yeah, just like the way I like the watching them as like videos, like promo videos. Yeah, because we got a couple of new songs here, don't we? Not such a bad boy and no values. You know, it's almost like an action film. You know, where they need some dialogue to go to the next action scene, except they need some mm -hmm. dialogue to get to the next. Mm -hmm. video. And now Paul's on his base for the first time, I think, in the movie. Yep. On his Rickenbacker. It'd be a wee while before he was back on the Hofner. Mm -hmm. We were talking about Wanderlust, and that was actually demoed way back in the London town period. Was it really? And that was yeah. That was the name of one of his uh, boats, Wanderlust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who's the guitarist guy there again? Not Dave Edmonds, the other guy, younger it's, guy. Uh, it is. It's not Chris Spedding. Is that Chris Spedding? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Because he produced Nevermind the Bollocks. Yeah. 
Let's see. Do you know the funny thing watching this as well? Thinking we're older than Paul McCartney is here. <laughs> well, do you know that hit me uh, the other day? Because uh, I was starting to watch the uh, re-released Star Trek The Motion Picture, which is obviously in 4K now. Oh, it looks, and looks amazing, doesn't it? It does, but William Shatner in that movie is just one year older than me. <laughs> and you think of them as old men in it, don't That's you? So <laughs> I think their onesie outfits in that movie don't help the cause, to be fair. No, they're quite tight, I think. doesn't leave much to the imagination. It certainly doesn't. Uh, they wisely went for more proper traditional, uh, naval-type yeah. uniform from the next the movies had, onwards. Like, the little uh, Velcro bib. That's yeah. right, the white. Yep. <laughs> the blood on goes on when... Yeah, kind of uh, maroony purple-type. Mm, right, Whiny-type so... coloured, yeah. We were talking about this. Paul, did you know that uh, Paul McCartney commissioned Gene Roddenberry to write a script for him? No, I maybe heard, maybe. But yeah, you were saying that uh, before Star Trek, the motion picture came out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was when it was between when he was trying to do phase two and, mm-hmm. uh, and he, I don't think he had any work. So it was on Wings. It was wings. So right, okay. Paul McCartney commissioned him to write a script which was going to be some intergalactic battle of the bands. And it never happened, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> That's what we could have been watching tonight. I'm sure it would have been more fun. Who's the girl in the bongos? I recognize I don't know. I was thinking that myself. Mm. That's Linda. (laughs) (laughs) So I take it like, when you actually think about the story for this, the plot for this, uh, so Barbara Bach's now just like tagging along on this. Mm -hmm. Because she's Ringo's wife. She's sitting in the background. Mm -hmm. While uh, Ringo's uh, basically trying to get his, uh, his wicked way with her. Trying to get uh, his his drumsticks where he would like. Is he attempting re-entry? As James Bond would say. Here we are in the... I don't understand how this didn't go down well in America when you look at the filming of... <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, Americans always want to see the parts of London, you know, the tourist parts like this. Yeah. Like some a... tower blocks somewhere. <laughs> tower blocks in the so suburb of London. is not it? It really does. It is, isn't it? It's a very grey movie. Oh, yeah. Do you know the thing? The, the thing is, when we were younger, I don't. I, I, I thought I didn't think of Britain as dreary or anything. You know, when you watch documentaries, it looks it. But... Right, what song are we getting now? In the past. Look at those boots he's wearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got So Bad, which was originally on Types of Peace. Peace. This is a better version for me, though. Yeah. I wonder if this was recorded before the Types of Peace one, though. Do you know? Mm -hmm. It is quite, it's pretty crazy, like the organisation behind this. Mm. Why you would make this film 
and record the soundtrack album and then have another record album twice. as well. It's mm-hmm. like it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know I, if it was just he had to get the film out, and it was I don't know because he put that much money into it. This song is funny because I remember um, of all the songs probably in the album when um, I first heard it, I, I never ever liked the song. It was only years later I was like, oh, actually, this is brilliant. Paul's full set. <laughs> it sounds very yeah. ten cc. Like the backing vocals on, mm. yeah, Eric yeah, Stewart. yeah, it does. Okay, so I mean, I guess it's a different song for him to do. It's not like a normal song. That's mm-hmm. showing a bit of a variety. There she is on Mini Moog. Linda McCartney keyboard solo. Hello. We've got giant haystacks coming up after this, won't we? That's right, yes. I like the bass bit here. Mm hmm. Do you know what it reminds me of? Clean up time, you know, on Double Fantasy. The bass bit always. You still remind me of that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm doing his Bee Gees. <laughs> now, I try to remember that uh, <laughs> the. Viz Profanosaurus. There was they used uh, giant haystacks as a description. For... <laughs> and I'm sure it was uh... <laughs> I'm sure it was a flap snap on. But um <laughs> so thinking of the Beatles movies, so you had Hard Day's Night Help. And Yola Sabrine, what was your magical mystery two favorite of the three? Well, if you want to throw that in as well, the four, what's your favorite? Let it be. Uh, I would say let it be, let it be actually. Well, I mean, unfortunately, it's not like as if you know, we would have got to see a definitive version of it with the with Get Back because Peter Jackson being Peter Jackson decided that a film wasn't long enough and it had to be three episodes. <laughs> does look really good, though, from the it trailer. Does, yeah. That's next month, how that's long, it, isn't it? each episode an hour? Or? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Next month, Disney Plus, yeah. Really yeah. looking forward to it's seeing it. This is a good song, no values. I mean, we're talking about Get Back because, like, again, this is, like, it's strange, but, like, he's just had three songs, one after the other, where it's just on playing in a warehouse. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. This is a bit of a weird one. Now, if you want to watch a weird film, music film of an artist, watch, uh, it's available on Amazon Prime for some reason. Gary Glitter, Remember Me This Way. <laughs> that a 70s movie. Yeah. And it is, I mean, we should do a commentary on that because it is laughable how bad it is. It's truly awful. And what's the plot? What's the plot in that one? Oh, it's just, it's, uh, there isn't even a plot on it. It's just plots <laughs> like following him around for a day. And he goes to like Paris, then there's this bizarre scene where it's like he's doing an audition for an action film. Right. In his mind, he says, Oh, I think I'd make a great action star. <laughs> right. And it is really, really terrible. It's, it's only about 50 minutes long as well. Oh, really? But was, it, was, it, was it maybe a, maybe a TV special or something? No, I think it was in cinemas, but I guess it must have been one of those ones where it might have been on before something else or it might, mm. be, might put something else on with it. Remember David Essex had a film, didn't he, as well? That's right. Yeah. Well, here's um, a question for you. Which band or artist would you love to have seen them actually be in a movie? Um, probably Led Zeppelin, uh, a Fly in the Wall documentary. Yeah. And you got to see everything, including uh, John oh. Bonham uh, pooing in a lady's handbag. <laughs> How about you, Paul? Uh, let me think. It would have been good to be uh, up like a fly on the wall, just like posting about Led Zeppelin, but like the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. I think around 77. How about you? Oh, who would have been good? Oh, I would love, and just I'm looking at the poster here. Uh, Guns and Roses uh, mm. from 86 through to 94. Again, a fly in the wall documentary type thing, warts and all. That would have been good. Yeah, a- Axel not turning up. Riots, marriages, divorces, drug overdoses, mm. uh, recording sessions, huge budgeted videos. Uh, Elton John, <laughs> yeah, that'd be good, you know. Uh, uh, arguments with Metallica and Nirvana, mm-hmm. and Courtney Love, it's a really good guitar solo here, yeah. It's a good ending, uh, it probably isn't. I mean, did we need, I don't know, I mean, it doesn't get enough. Space, I don't think this song, yeah, because it's just lumped in with you know the others. It's when I heard I Want You, She's So Heavy off Abbey Road, that reminded me of this actually. Although, obviously, this was done after, Mm -hmm. but the guitar, yeah, yeah, the old 10 pound notes there, the old tenors. It's funny how big the, the notes used to be. I know. <laughs> Here. Massive. 
And then if they've ripped you had to put sellotape on. <laughs> I mean, I think it's great to see Hagrid from Harry Potter. <laughs> So Paul thinking that Giant Haystacks is trying to buy the master tapes of his album from Harry. <laughs> Obviously just dreaming. Dave Edmonds looks like uh, Dana Carvey, you know, from Wayne's World. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. It's like Noel Edmonds. <laughs> Deal Deal. Tall guy, what height must he be? Six mm. foot six or something. <laughs> He's probably younger than we are now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's only Twenty-two there. <laughs> Eighteen. <laughs> Just out in nappies. Might still be wearing one. <laughs> <laughs> He died relatively young, didn't he? Giant haystacks. Uh, I don't know. Let me check. So that was your two biggest wrestling stars in the UK at that time. Giant haystacks and Big Daddy. That's right, yes. And neither one of them you would call specimens. They're not, they, they were not the rock. They weren't uh, examples of athleticism. <laughs> no. He was six foot eleven. Six eleven. Yeah. And he weighed thirty-one stones at the beginning of his career. Forty-eight stones. Forty-eight stone. Six hundred and six hundred and seventy-two pounds, three hundred and four kilograms. So he died. His heaviest he weighed forty-nine stones, thirteen pounds. Jeez. So he died in 1998 and he was 52. So this would have been done when he was about late 30s, early 40s. So. Mm -hmm. 38 or something. Yeah. So the boy was nearly 50 stone. That yeah. is crazy. He died yeah, after yeah, a two year battle with cancer. <laughs> I mean, think about the size of his turds. Just think of <laughs> You always have to bring it down, Mr. Murphy. Do, do we have well, to? Top just top. think about it. I mean, that's eye-watering. <laughs> oh, we're, we're now in nice, sunny... <laughs> London again. Thames Rain, drizzle, grey skies. Do you think it's deliberately meant to look like that? Do you think I don't know, but in the last couple of Mission Impossible... Movies and Bond movies where they were in, in London. I didn't see any grey skies and drizzle. Mm. I mean, maybe it's set to look like Maybe it's the effects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Kit, Knight Rider. <laughs> oh, this is our bad guy again. Again, following, but to what purpose? Why is the bad guy following them? There's no reason for him to do that. It's going to annoy me that the the bongo player woman. Oh, I recognise her face. Uh oh, 
Giant Haystacks has noticed his... Giant is not happy. His vehicle has been damaged. <laughs> so we've got some cutting edge computer work now. <laughs> Do you know the problem with this film as well? It was probably out of date by the time it came out. Because mm-hmm. it was like a year, a year like on like on the shelf, I suppose. Scotland Yard's finest working on finding this tape. I mean, this was of national importance. <laughs> Forget the murders that are going on. I mean, if only the same... master tapes back. If only somebody'd stolen the master tapes of press to play <laughs> people would be happy <laughs> so we're over now is it Tower Bridge or London Bridge uh, London Tower Bridge is it because London Bridge was uh, bought by an American entrepreneur and shipped over to Barcelona, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, now, mistake here. I don't know if you can see it here or not, but there's a crew. Oh, you see it later on. Two member underneath the stairs in McCartney's office. Oh, we're now heading to the now BBC. This, uh, incidental music isn't on the album, is it? No. no. Uh, it's just all right, the... Some of the background music. I know. Mm-hmm. So, Mac has arrived at the BBC. He's trying to get through his throng of fans. Do you know what it reminds me of? A lot of early 80s programmes, like Dempsey and Makepeace, and even like Hammer House of Horror, you know, they always look quite bleak, like in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah, professionals, Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Even the long, what was that film? Bob Hoskins' early eighties. The Long Good Friday. Yeah, a bit like Mona that. Lisa. Quite, quite bleak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, darlings. <laughs> Who's this guy again? What's he been in? Oh, yeah, I can't remember. It's a Dumbledore. <laughs> Harry Michael <Potter>. Dambon. <laughs> no, so he's meant to be doing a... kind of a bit like uh, a hard day's night, isn't it? Yeah, so he's meant to be doing a radio session, isn't he? Hmm. Still got the same shirt on. Oh, mm-hmm. same day. Yeah. So this was here, there, and everywhere. Hey, he's done that, hasn't he? No, not yet. No, he has. He has done it. Sorry. Has he? No, no, no. He done yesterday, Wanderlust before, didn't he? Oh, no, he does it on the rugby here, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's not yesterday and here, there, and everywhere. Is that not medley? 
I think yeah, so, yeah. Glamorous location for his interview. It's like a poker yeah. table. Yeah. What's this on? Radio 4? I have no idea. Oh, what... No, it's Radio 1. Radio 1. <laughs> well, I mean, the hairy cornflake doesn't look too good there. <laughs> Still got his beard. <laughs> so this is leading us in to the Eleanor's dream, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> White socks. <laughs> white socks. I remember thinking it was all right to wear white socks with black jeans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember going uh when I was about eighteen going on a works night out and the women absolutely crucified me for wearing white socks. <laughs> Thing is we all we only had sports socks, didn't we? I know. Yeah. Oh yeah it does for no one then Eleanor Rickley, yeah. yeah. Revolver's quite uh, used a lot, isn't it? The the revolver trap. I wonder why yeah. that is. Mm. Yeah, it's a good day, sunshine for no one here, there, and everywhere. Eleanor Rugby. And Eleanor Rugby, yeah. That's good day, sunshine. That he hadn't played for. I mean, now you look back on it, but at this point, eighty-four, a lot of these songs he wouldn't have played since then. Well, it's mm-hmm. in an interview at the time where he said that, yeah, it, because they were just Beatles songs he played, recorded, and that was them. He never and never went on tour with the Beatles with yeah. them and never played them solo. He went, so it was just a really nice to be able to revisit re- revisit them as part of this. So, you know, think about it, it does probably add into the, the, the madness. The madness, it does all begin to, like, piece together. If this is a, like a TV special and it's like Paul McCartney songs mm-hmm. and he's doing a load of songs that he'd never played live before. So I guess this would be the first time in nearly 20 years that you've heard Paul McCartney do this. Mm-hmm. But this is communicated <laughs> at all. Or, like if it was a TV special, imagine the blurb saying Oh something. yeah. McCartney doing Beatles songs live for the very first time. Yeah. That would have been a big draw. Prime Reigns. Yeah. Bit of a Buffon haircut there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least this guy who's the radio show producer has a bit of flamboyance about him, bring a bit of energy to things. Yeah, yeah. It looks like an old, like your school music hall or room or something. Mm-hmm. 
the boy that did the interview is like J. R. Hartley. It is actually. It's a bit like. I'm getting an advert coming up. Philadelphia. An advert. We're back. What a tune. Well, and it's Beatles incarnation anyway. Yeah. Eleanor Rigby. There's a 60s band, I can't remember the name of them, but they did a really good cover of this. It was sort of like a rock version. Mm. Yeah. Good. It's actually quite nice how the segue from the uh, the recording studio to <laughs> the Albert Hall, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how they moved to the Albert Hall here and they're all in their in their dinner suits. Yeah, it might have been the first time that you played at the Albert Hall. Yeah, more than likely. Mm-hmm. Now there you go, now how awesome would it have been seeing McCartney just with a string quartet doing it these kind of songs and that kind of style at the Albert Hall. How awesome would that be? I think at the time, though, his stock was quite low, wasn't it? Do you know, after... Because just after this, he'd probably be, like, the lowest point of his music career. No, no, you you still get pressed to play. That's what I mean, after this, like, Mm. the next couple of years, you know, Live Aid going wrong for him and stuff. If it, if the, I think this had been done differently, if it had been done as a TV special and it hadn't been a film, um, it probably would have done his, you know, like his reputation has stopped quite well because again, it's you're getting to see Paul McCartney do songs that he hasn't done in twenty years. But I do guess thinking yeah. all this stuff on it, like going on a boat and everything, just. It would have been just fine him just like being with a string quartet, you know. Do you not think it's about timing though? And like this maybe was just not the right time, maybe. See, I quite like this sequence where it's kind of going back to Victorian times and they're all dressed up and everything. The dream sequence. I've always Eleanor's quite liked this. It is good. Yeah. It was in I the number one night. It doesn't win over new fans. No. Hmm. Or like you know, sort of like, kind of, kind of fans. I suppose around this time as well, Paul McCartney was kind of seen as the inferior one to John Lennon. You know, after John Lennon had passed away a few years previous to this. So we've got you Matt... guys at? What was that? What time are you at? Because I think I've lost the timing on it a bit. Oh, 1.14, almost one fifteen. Uh, right. Well, I've got 33.56 remaining. I think I'm just a tiny bit ahead of you. So we've Me? got Lin- yeah. Linda, Barbara, Paul and Ringo in a boat rowing up and in another boat we've got the kind of assorted crew now they're all going to have a nice picnic it looks more like Barbara back that we know 
mm-hmm. here, wasn't it? Around the yeah. 18th. I didn't realize this was our last film. Last theatrical movie, apparently, yeah. Oh, and Tracy Ullman's there as well. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize. Linda looks nice there as well. Yeah, she all sc- nice, scrub yeah. up well. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah. this is uh, this bit's arranged by George Martin, isn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, like the bit behind it is that, oh, this is quite, this is quite interesting. This is George Martin remix of uh, mm-hmm. Elmer Rigby. Yep. But I guess all you're thinking about is you're going, look at those giant mutton chops that Paul McCartney's got. <laughs> it's a really good transfer. It's on because it's on YouTube. We're watching this, mm-hmm. and it's actually a really good transfer. Has this ever been like officially given a like a 4K version or no. director's no. cut or anything? No. I had it on Region 1 DVD. I think it's just been forgotten, really, hasn't it? It's never really been given any kind of retrospective uh, look. But I think he's purposely done that, sadly. (laughs) Oh, the dogs dogs come. It comes Mission Impossible. (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Lack. Well, here comes the waterfall. Yeah. Ringo, Barbara, and Linda are about to take a very deep swim. Now, the waterfall is in Teston Lock, or is Teston Lock near Teston Bridge. Where's that? Although, <laughs> Uh, I think near London. Uh, all of the mm. picnic stuff is done elsewhere. That was a, that, uh, the bit there. He's running up the path. That's uh, it's a great bit of cinematography. Mm-hmm. Do you know? In a lot of ways, wouldn't it have been more interesting to have done the whole movie in this kind of style. Yeah, because it's really well filmed. Mm-hmm. The music and everything playing well. Have Ridley Scott to do it. Yeah, that could have been cool. And here they fall. So Paul's lost his master tapes. He's lost his three friends. Now Snow's appeared from somewhere. (laughs) Oh, now we're getting the ghosts of Ringo and Barbara. Yeah, it's like the shining. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Paul McCartney looks like Ebenezer Scrooge. See, this bit's good. In fact, is that not quite poignant? Because when 
before Linda died in '98, did he not say to her, "You're on a, you're on a horse, and you're you're, uh, you're galloping away somewhere"? It was almost like before she died, like when mm-hmm. she was, yeah, almost like she you was know, at peace. Reading a bit from the Highlander, but yeah, remember? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that bit. Uh, yeah, you've got your boots on. <laughs> <laughs> You're Ebenezer. eating your haggis. Ebenezer, give us a pound. <laughs> See, I think this is all really good stuff. Because mm-hmm. Well, maybe for the first time in the movie, it's actually visually it looks like engaging. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Whereas up until this point, it's not been. Yeah. But when it's you really think about it, though, it's like uh, okay. So we've we've had like how long have we had up until now? An hour and twenty minutes or whatever. And what we're going to do is we're going to retell it all. The whole story, but in a Victorian <laughs> setting. <laughs> For 10 minutes. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know what it was about, which yeah. I would understand why some people wouldn't know what the film's been about so mm-hmm. far. Here it is again, but set in a Dickensian world. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob Marley. <laughs> Please, Mr. Scrooge, please. Carrying around a radioactive box. <laughs> no, it's a yep. token. No, it's a token. No, it must be, it must be the, limited edition blue vi- <laughs> the limited edition blue vinyl version. <laughs> yeah. Actually, rewatching it just recently, um, where Harry gets stabbed here is quite. It's quite brutal, yeah. It is actually, yeah. I was quite surprised. It's PG, yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes you think of like Jack the Ripper and stuff. Mm-hmm. Either of you guys remember the Jack the Ripper mini? That was brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah, with Michael Caine in it. Yeah. He was Aber yeah, mini series. Yeah, what Abba? was his character? Oh, I can't remember, but it was Abba excellent. Fun. It was only two, three episodes or something. It was excellent. Yeah. And the narrator was good as well, wasn't there? Somebody narrated it, I think. I can't remember. But no, it but was yeah, good. it was really good. And wasn't the guy from the professionals in it? Uh yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I forget his name. Okay. Martin. No. Is it the other one? No, it's it's the one that wrote, uh, tested for Bond. Lewis, and it was in Who uh, Dares Win? Martin Lewis, Lewis Collins. Lewis Lewis Lewis. Martin Lewis. <laughs> That's the guy does the, the financial. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> audition for Bond. <laughs> Money Penny. The newsreader. He was good with money. <laughs> Martin Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but John Imagine. Lewis, the shop. 
Imagine Martin Lewis testing for Lewis Collins. That's right. Lewis Jack Collins, yeah. <laughs> Martin Lewis. Superb. <laughs> Imagine. Right, uh, I'm, I and today I'm, I'm, I'm Bond. I'm James Bond. I'm going to save you money on your gas bill. Stay with me. <laughs> talk about that in your internet provider. Well, it's like the time of the Rodney Marsh riots. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many times has this guy been stopped? Uh, more than once. And Harry's dead. Harry's been in a few things, hasn't he? I think. Actor. Oh, I don't know. He's a bit like Marty Feldman, but with normal eyes. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Mm, that's right. I get them mixed up. Right, so Mac has finished the radio corn. He's now back in his car. Mm. Oh, and now we get it. Which mm. is actually on the soundtrack. Yeah. And it's actually an original song. Mm -hmm. yeah, this is quite a original good version of it. So this is McCartney driving through the night, London. Band on the run playing. And now London looks cool. Yep. Is that really him driving that? Better see. Yeah. Well, he goes to the pub, doesn't he? The the guy he knows. Ralph Richardson, yeah, the bit in it. Mm. It's a box. I think that's supposed to be his dad. Is it? But it's not ever really explained. Is it? Yeah. Because is he called Jim? In it? And that's his dad's name as well, isn't it? Yeah, uh -huh, yeah. I think it is supposed to be his dad. Mm. Hmm. But another one of these things, not clearly explained, you know. That looks like Liverpool, that pub, doesn't it? You know, they have the, there's houses in suddenly this big pub. <laughs> yeah, he just wanders in, so obviously it's, it's basically like it, it's his home. And he's got a monkey. <laughs> I think this might have been Ralph Richardson's last film role. I think oh, it was. Yeah, I think it was. What was he for? Oh, just Luke. He's a um, very famous uh, stage actor. Mm. Did you notice anything unusual? No. With um, Shakespearean. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was oh. quite, quite a well known actor, so. Mm -hmm. Did he have anything with him? 
But he gets up, he gets up staged by this monkey. <laughs> the monkey is awesome. I wonder if that's the same monkey in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, it's yeah. filmed quite close to the time, yeah. Bad dates. Bad dates. <laughs> Surely there can't be more than one talented monkey in the world. <laughs> now, there is a film that you should watch. A very short film on Netflix. Um, what's it called again? Um, Jack that... Uh, um, oh, what did Jack? What did Jack do? Have you seen that? No. No, I don't uh, think so. Directed by David Lynch. It's like seven minutes long, and it's David Lynch interviewing this talking monkey. Um, <laughs> it's really bizarre. It's on Netflix. Uh, I think I said, "What did Jack do?" That's something like that. Uh, so I recommend that you watch. It takes eight minutes or so of your life. Oh well. That's just slightly shorter than our most recent REM. Have <laughs> ever done? Oh, and there we see the guy's clock, which mirrors that in the Eleanor's dream sequence. Maybe there's more meanings to this film than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe, you know, when well, supposedly once uh, Get Back's done, this is what Peter Jackson's next uh, project is. I imagine. Going to come mm-hmm. out in a 12-hour special edition. Yeah, imagine. Here's the porno version of uh, The Long Winding Road. The saxophone. Uh, it's an awful <laughs> version, isn't it? <laughs> here, you, here we are on Smooth Radio. That's what it's like. Easy listening. It's like Careless Whisper or something. Or Dire Streets. Just driving yeah, not a good at night, listening to some porno music, waiting to pick up <laughs> a prostitute. Yes, we didn't expect that of Maka. <laughs> Are you both a fan of the original version of this? Yeah, very much. The, the Phil Spector reproduced for... Was it reproduced for vinyl? What was it called? It was the term. It was uh, a live. Oh, what was it? What's going on here? Is this some sort of like swingers party? Listening to like. Uh, I know. I don't really get this. Long winding road. Ringo's about to have his wicked way. Oh no! Now this is when they're back at presumably Paul and Linda's place, 
And I find it amusing that uh, Barbara Back, the journalist, has obviously just went with them everywhere. This is Soho, Soho, isn't it? Soho, yeah. Or the theatre district or Soho. Mm -hmm. The West End. Can see the budget was spent on the sets, can't you? <laughs> oh, no. Where was this money spent on? Oh, maybe a Tracy Ullman's hair dye. Maybe. <laughs> Look, there you go. This is, this is I'm going up picking up some uh, some women. There you go. Slap her on the handbrake. Driving through the streets of Soho in a hot rod. So now, now, what was the plot again? That they had to have the master tapes before midnight, or they'd lose the company. That's Something it. like that. Company was actually. Maybe maybe it's more of a metaphor for the film. You know, like the film had to get out, otherwise McCartney was going to lose all his money on it. Why do you think it was shelved for a year? Because uh, 20th Century Fox watched it and went... <laughs> <laughs> We're not releasing maybe, this. Maybe we'll. Maybe if we leave it for a year, maybe it'll feel better. Yeah. Oh, oh, Paul, you've got this new album coming out. It's going to be like a massive seller. Pipes of peace, you say? Right. We'll wait for it to come out, and then we'll. Then we'll... No, we'll wait till the next one. <laughs> Oh, and there's the evil bad guy thinking he's getting his hands on Marcus' company. He's still got his shades on, even though it's dark. pitch dark. Oh, is that the guy from the bill, isn't it? Yeah. Looks so yes. bleak, doesn't it? Like concrete yeah. jungle. Making their move. They're making their move to Marcus' office. And now we come to Broad Street. We station, which is no longer there, it was actually torn down not long after the the movie. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, cl uh, closed and torn down in nineteen eighty six. I think it was. Mm. I love the British Rail logo. It's just something so cool about it. Oh, now watch under the stairs here. It's a goof. There's a crew member underneath the stairs. Watch this. Yeah. It's not meant to be there. Just keep watching. Look, the head pop out. <laughs> Where? Oh, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> right, so he decides to stop at the train station, but why? Because they sung that song that popped into his head. Oh, uh, Broad Street. But oh, right. Why, why, what, yeah, but why mm, doesn't make any sense? And then, No More Lonely Nights. Now, No More Lonely Nights, the song was a huge success. Yeah. 
nominated for a BAFTA and a Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. It's his last big UK hit, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Number two. Unlucky not to get to number one, actually. Yeah. What kept off the top? I want Frankie to say Good. relaxed. But that, was gonna say, yeah. that was Radio Gaga, I think. It was kept off number one. Mm. And this was at the end of that year. Some bands, it must just be the thing to ourselves, what cursed luck, where they release their own kind of classic single or one of their classic singles and it's kept off the top by something that's just incredibly popular. Like Radio Gift. If relaxed by Franco's Hollywood's kept that Radio Gaga my queen of the top spot, they're thinking, what? There's Ultravox, yeah. Ultravox, yeah. That's, that's the most famous one, isn't that's it? That's the most famous, Shut up yeah. your face. Joe Dolchin, shut up yeah. your face. <laughs> oh, I think John Lennon kept him off as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the thing, right? This is a brilliant song, right? And we've all had little segments, little tiny little music video type things. Why is the music video for this one of Paul McCartney's best solo songs and walking around an empty train station? station that looks really dark. But yeah, and, and again, what's his motive for wandering onto a platform? Why? Other it's than... Broad Street Station, other than that. Other than, think. oh... I'll wander towards this um, building along the platform for no reason, and oh, lo and behold, look who I've come across. The promo video was slightly different, wasn't it? Was he not? There was like fireworks going off, and he's on a roof. Yeah, he's like yeah. a rooftop. But it's oh, like he has a cup of tea or something. Yeah. At the beginning, yeah. Yeah. No matter what people say about the film, you can't deny this. It's one of his best singles. Yeah. That might have helped the film actually, that that song on its own. Oh, of course it did. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's the uh oh, what's his name of the build the tech. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From ninety well, eighties, nineties British TV show, The Bill. On ITV, yeah. he was good. Actually. He was very good in it. Yeah. David Gilmore on guitar. That's right. Or at that time, he was known as Dave Gilmore. Or <laughs> <laughs> he changed it to David. <laughs> I know it's funny when people do that. It's like uh, Andy Cole, footballer. Andrew Cole. Want to be known as Andrew Cole. I know. Deborah Hari. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I now wish to be known by my full name in my later years of my career. Thank you. I wish to be known by my full name, Hubert Janus, (laughs) not Hugh Janus. (laughs) Of course, this was real. This, This was actually him being filmed. Stealth filmed. Mm hmm. It's no, like a bit it? like uh, Jeff Lynn. I'm surprised nobody can uh, clock them, aren't they? £1.50 Central London to Heathrow <laughs> hmm. on the tube. 
person who would know that uh, emit a sound while sitting in their case. Mm -hmm. Good base there. Mm -hmm. I quite like that music as well. Mm -hmm. It's so bleak, isn't it? It's so... I was knocked down <laughs> not long yeah. after. So we're meant to believe that Harry's been stuck in this outbuilding for 24 hours. And I just remember the first time watching this thinking your entire movie is built on the fact that somebody accidentally got locked in an outbuilding at a train station. Yeah, I mean, that's see, the, the <laughs> thing is, it's like a total cop out at the end. But then, you know, it's, I think that's what loses an audience, doesn't it? Where it's like, oh, mm -hmm. I sit through this for an hour and a half. And it's just like, you tell me that actually the guy was just like locked in a, locked in a, an old bridge oh, real yeah. yeah. But then it, then then they really kick the boot in when you find out that even that was just wasn't uh yeah. well. Don't give it, it away, don't give it away. So it's kinda of like a double kick to the viewer, it's like a double waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, Mac has got his uh, phone in his car just in the nick of time. <laughs> what they don't know is it's ten past twelve. <laughs> <laughs> it's like deadline transfer deadline. Day. <laughs> you got the times. Why did he phone Linda first? Surely he phoned his office first. His whole company's at stake. No, he, no his no. wife is most remember. Thing. Keep your, keep your happy wife, happy life, Paul. No, he got his wife. He said, <laughs> "Oh, he said you phone everyone." He basically got his wife to act like the secretary. I know, but that then he's trying. He's, he's, he's trying to go and give everyone a ring. I'm too busy driving. Picking he's up driving, he's got to watch the road. He's got to watch the road. <laughs> hey, this was the days before, like, you had to have a hands-free phone or it. It wasn't illegal to, to drive and drink even back then. It, it, it was, it was illegal, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like frowned upon as it is today, really, or... Well, yeah, penalty. because, like, you used to, back then you could drink 10 pints. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh. There you go, everyone. And now we find it's actually Paul just daydreamed the whole thing. Lost his Hawaiian shirt, though. Yeah. yeah. Would that yeah, make you want to come to London? Day. Yeah, a vegetarian leather jacket and uh, and a Hawaiian shirt, you know. Yeah, I had a dream I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt for two years. 
Is that the actual MPL office? It probably is. It is, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's Cavendish Avenue or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's his real office. Makes me think of the Let It Be film when the film. Yeah, yeah. So it would do a roof, like a concert rooftop. Yeah. And then we get the dance version of No More Lonely Disco Nights. version, yes. Uh, is it not called the playout version? Yeah. Yeah, on the album, yeah. We knew it from the single because our dad had the single and the, the B-side was a disco version. Yeah. See, I had it on uh, Now That's What I Call Music 4 and mm. or, uh, No More Lonely Nights is having having like, the classic original McCartney song that stuck this one on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was interesting. I, Queen had it in their contract. You know, when, whenever they're on compilation albums, they have to be on first. It's weird. There's some <laughs> stipulation. Seriously, any compilation album, they have to be first. Yeah, that's how the, I don't think they ended up being on the London Olympic album. Right, okay. In 2012, because I think they wanted to put it in some kind of order and Queen were like, well, no. Now look at that. Doesn't London look wonderful there? That's what I'm saying, mm. yeah, it's so dreary looking. And it probably wasn't like that either. It was just, yeah. It's a very dark, grey, dreary film. And that's just the so weather. It, so what would you give this film out of 10, guys? You know, I, 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 I don't know if I could give it a score out of 10. It's, it actually went surprisingly far. I'll say that for like what an hour and forty eight minutes. It was quite, quite, quite quick. So I'm trying to Go on. give it, give it out of five. Then that makes it easier. Out of five, uh, I'll give it three. Okay, Paul. Oh. I'll give it three as well because I like the, I like the music in it. I like the, the videos. So I'll give it three as well. It's not as bad. I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. What about yourself, Stephen? Uh, I'm lucky to scrape a two. Not a fan of it. Mm. It's. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, I think Mafia is decent in it, and uh, obviously I like I like the music and a lot of the sequences. But yeah, the plot is. Just it really is just a threadbare plot, isn't it? And it even be that better as a as a as a TV special. If it just yeah, definitely TV's like him doing live versions of the songs and stuff. Yep, agreed. I, I would have preferred that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, as it is, what it is, it's uh, it's not a well, classic. I think what, what to do next is uh, download a copy of this, uh, get it in iMovies and cut out all the dialogue. And there you go. The videos. Trimming the dialogue fat. Hey, Jeff Emmerich was in this as well, in the recording studio. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, again, a bit of a, you know, more of a Beatles reunion, I suppose. Mm hmm. 
Again, it's strange thing to play out on when you've got like, you know, No More Lonely Nights is a great song and it, and it spends hardly any time on the original version of it, really. Yeah. No. And yet the play out, the, this play out version, which is okay, but it's not sort of near as good as the. No. Have you seen the video for the play out version? It's terrible. Is there a play out version video? Yeah, he's he's like really? he's just got he's just got his microphone. It's like he's at Butlins or something. Uh, I don't know. He's just like in this hall. It's just pretty bad. He's got this terrible jumper on. And... <laughs> it's no. I, I remember with the single, it was actually quite. It was quite good having the original No More Lonely Nights and having this on the B side. It was pretty yeah, it cool. Was quite cool. Because obviously they are quite different. It was cool. And that's the way it finished up because we had the cassette and the album finished here. But then you got, uh, you know, the sort of old. Good night, sweetheart, or whatever. Yeah, it was you, got, you got that. You didn't get them on the cassette. It was on the. No. The vinyl, I presume. Good night, sweetheart. No, it's in the bit where he goes into. Good night, princess. His though. dad. Or good night, princess. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's right, yeah. That's right. Well, we've made it, guys, all the way through near two hours of Give Me Regards to Broad Street. So as we, we leave it, what's your parting thoughts? It wasn't as bad as what I thought it would be, as what I remembered it was. Okay. Paul? Look, I thought it was quite fun. Part, it's a bit like Magical, well, magical Mystery Tour gets slated all the time, but if you take the videos out in isolation, the performances, I, 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 I quite like it, some of it. You know, if, it's just, if you just see it on the performances as opposed to like a film. So, mm-hmm. so no, I, I like it. I like it. Okay, well, thank you for your company this evening as we revisited the, the movie. Uh, and just to let uh, everyone listening to do us around... Uh, Paul McCartney, we have got a couple of additional pods, uh, two related to his 1997 album, Flaming Pie, and our What If episode, which covers this period of time around the film uh, we just watched uh, from 81 through to 84, um, which we called, now what do we call the album? Tug of Peace. Tug of Peace on Broad Street. Uh, oh no, Pipes of War on Broad Street, wasn't it? Pipes of Poop. <laughs> yeah, something, <laughs> something like that. Um, another thing to mention is that the original songs from this film, uh, we will put them into a playlist on Spotify and we'll share that with everyone via our Facebook group so if you're not part of that group please uh, ask to join so thanks for listening and remember keep on trimming goodbye thank you bye Bye, everybody bye give my regards to Broad Street
can wait another day Until I call you You've only got my heart on a string